Welcome one and all to the History Havoc podcast. My name is Eric Bynum and I will be leading you through a series of podcasts covering history on a global level. Season one will include a series of podcasts from my world history students and anyone else who'd like to listen in and learn some facts to use around the water cooler. Okay, maybe Twitter or Facebook since nobody really has a water cooler anymore in the office. Just a little background on me before we start. I am a world history teacher in the motherland, aka Texas. Yes, I am looking at you, Mrs. Bakken. And I've been teaching now for about four years and have been a history nerd all my life. This podcast is intended to help my students understand a bit more about world history and hopefully dive a little deeper at times into the content. I hope you enjoy it, and if you like what I'm doing, be sure to check out my blog at historyhavoc.com, where I ramble on about all sorts of things history. Okay, enough about me. But stick around for some interesting facts, bad puns, and dad jokes as the kids call them these days, even if you didn't like history in high school because teachers just seem to babble on. Get it? Babylon? <laughs> okay, maybe you don't just yet, but you will. Grab a cup of joe like me and let's wreck some havoc on history. I want to start with the era known as the Paleolithic era, which began about 2.5 million years ago and ended around 8,000 BCE, before the Common Era. Just a side note, if you've not taken a history class in years, we will use BCE and CE, or Common Era, on this podcast. Historians are trying to get away from the religious aspects of B.C. and A.D., which were taught for generations. So, B.C.E., or before, common, before the Common Era, is the same as B.C. or before Christ, as we may know it. And C.E., or the Common Era, is the same as A.D. or Anno Domini, which does not mean after death. If it did, our calendars would be missing some 30-plus years of when Jesus was alive. It actually is Latin for in the year of our Lord, hence the Christian aspects and why many are, are getting away from B.C. and A.D. Okay, back to the Paleolithic era, or the era from which the Paleo diet comes from, most commonly known as the Stone Age. During this time period, people were mainly hunters and gatherers, moving with the seasons and wildlife for sustenance. Migrations were happening out of Africa starting around 100,000 B.C.E. as humans made their way into Asia, then slowly into Europe, the Pacific Islands, Russia, at around 10 to 11,000 BCE, humans crossed the Bering Land Bridge into the Americas, finally making their way down to South America. Most traveled in smaller kinship groups, that, but that does not mean that they were all alone. These groups were sometimes a part of a larger clan, or even still sometimes a part of a larger tribe. Trade happened between groups, leading to the diffusion of ideas and, and tools. Within most of these groups, the men hunted, provided the heavy labor, and fought any wars. The women gathered and prepared food while looking after the children. Religion was formed in these early groups as well. Most worshipped the spirits of animals, rivers, and other aspects of nature. This is called animism. And, is the, first and, and the first religious leaders were probably shamans. Art was also a part of their lives. The earliest known paintings can be found in caves some 40,000 years old while musical instruments have been dated to around 30,000 years old. Around 8,000 BCE, as the climate was warming after the Ice Age, elements came together socially and politically to create the Neolithic Revolution, which is also known as the Agricultural Revolution. As the climate changed, it became easier for humans to grow their own food, thus creating what one man, Jared Diamond, will call the worst mistake in the history of the human race, agriculture. But we'll come back to Jared Diamond in a later episode. And if you want to read his article on why that is the worst mistake in the history of the human race, I will post it on my, my blog at historyhavoc.com along with uh, notes from this podcast. So stay tuned for that. 
During this agricultural revolution, there are several major developments in addition to agriculture, including pastoralism, specialization of labor. Now that there was more food, not everyone needs to be a farmer, so now we can have priests and traders and builders, among others. There were also towns and cities. These are going to first appear in Sumer around 3000 BCE. Sumer is located in Mesopotamia or the modern day Middle East. Governments. The larger the area and population, the greater need for an organized government to coordinate activities and protection. You're also going to see the rise of religions and technological innovations, such as the wheel, the plow, and the sail, along with writing. The early farmers took advantage of the longer growing seasons as the climate warmed. In the Middle East, they grew barley and wheat, and in the Americas, maize and squash. Animals were also domesticated during this time, including sheep, pigs, goats, and cattle in Europe. None of these are native to the Americas, but we will learn more about that when we get to that one Italian guy who quote-unquote, discovered something that people knew was there for thousands of years. Anyway, before we move on and talk about pastoralists, let's go over some key dates in the early part of the time period. 8000 BCE, the beginnings of agriculture. 3500 BCE, the invention of the wheel and plow in Mesopotamia and the sail in Egypt. 3200 BCE, invention of writing in Mesopotamia. And 3000 BCE, the founding of the first cities in Sumer. Now, these dates are not exact, of course. These are generalizations of about the time when these um, early inventions and philosophies started. An alternative to sedentary agriculture was pastoral nomadism. This is the domestication of raising of herds of animals such as sheep, goats, camels, horses, among others. This happened more in the grassy plains of Eurasia or nearby the deserts, desert areas of the Arabian Peninsula. They were nomadic by nature, moving from grassland to grassland with their herds, and many settled people feel that they were more quote-unquote barbarian and inferior than the civilized people. But do not discount these nomads because they will have a huge impact on world history. Just ask a guy named Temujin, but we'll get to him later on in history. Neolithic means New Stone Age, and it was characterized by some important advancements in technology. During this time period, we have the first use of pottery. Once agriculture began and there was a need for storing and cooking food, and this also became an early form of artistic expression as people would etch designs into the clay before it hardened. Metallurgy, or the use of metals, also began. Copper became the first because it could be hammered into shapes without the use of heat. But once it was discovered that the heat separated the ores, it improved the quality of the product. Early tools such as knives, axes, and weapons were made of copper. The first civilizations are known as the four early river valley civilizations, which include Sumer in Mesopotamia, Egypt, the Indus Valley, and China. And as you might have guessed already, they were all near rivers. These rivers were vital for crops and were also the easiest form of transportation during the time. The rivers they lived by were their lifelines. Without them, the civilizations would not have been possible. Controlling the rivers was another story. Through complex irrigation systems, the civilizations were able to expand the farmland out from the river and channel the water for agricultural use. But let's take a closer look at each of the four early river valley civilizations, starting with that of Hot Mesopotamia. Get it? Hot Mesopotamia? Okay, so I use that one every year with my kids, and I still get the groans, but hey, I laugh. Anyway, <clears throat> let's continue. Mesopotamia, which translates to the land between rivers, 
was an area in modern-day Iraq, Kuwait, southern Saudi Arabia, and the eastern parts of Syria, among others. This is where many of the first happened, including the first civilization called Sumer, the first writing system called Cuneiform, and the oldest known work of literature, the Epic of Gilgamesh. The Epic of Gilgamesh was an epic poem about Gilgamesh, the king of Uruk. It follows his exploits as he battles both men and the gods and includes a flood story. Speaking of which, if you need an ark, I know a guy. Okay, bad puns aside, the Gilgamesh flood story was the same as Noah and the ark. The story has been told in many different cultures over the years using different people and slightly different events. But in the end, it is about surviving the great flood just as Gilgamesh did. Mesopotamians seem to have a pessimistic view of the world, but that could have been because of the irregular and unpredictable flooding of the rivers, the Tigris and the Euphrates. You know, the Euphrates River on the Euphrates River. Yeah, sorry, if you've ever been in my class, you know that song. Plus, you know the Mesopotamians song, which I will post both of them on my blog. The Mesopotamians may be my favorite history song ever. But back to Mesopotamia. Mesopotamians seem to have a pessimistic view of the world, but that could have been because of the irregular and unpredictable flooding of the rivers, the Tigris and the Euphrates River. Sorry, if you've ever been in my class, you'll know that song. And if you don't, I will post it on my blog so you too can sing along. They saw their gods as powerful and cruel. The city-states in Mesopotamia were led by warrior kings because they were often at war over resources such as water. They were a polytheistic society, meaning they believed in many gods, but their kings were not divine like some other civilizations. Later on, the Akkadians under Sargon would unite both the cities of Akkad and Sumer in civilizations into the first empire in history. The empire would last from approximately 2334 BCE to 2154 BCE. After the fall of the Akkadian Empire, the Babylonians would rise up and achieve greatness, especially under their king Hammurabi. He ruled from about 1792 BCE until 1750 BCE, and in that 42 years of reign, his biggest mark on the world was his code of law, simply known as Hammurabi's Code. While this is not the oldest surviving law code, there are several from Mesopotamia older, this is one of the most important for several reasons. First, it was inscribed on a stone slab and put in public for everyone to see. It was also written in the daily language of the time, Akkadian, meaning any literate person could read the laws. It was also the first code of laws to put restrictions on what a person could do in retribution. However, it is mainly remembered for its eye for an eye. Other than Hammurabi's code using an eye for an eye, perhaps the most famous thing to come out of Babylon were the Hanging Gardens. These were one of the seven wonders of the ancient world built in the time of the reign of Neo-Babylonian King Nebuchadnezzar II, between 605 and 562 BCE. The thing about the Hanging Gardens is they have never really been proven to actually exist. There's no definite record of where they were built or any description of them except for ancient Greek and Roman writers. And yes, that is the Nebuchadnezzar in the Bible that destroyed the Temple of Solomon and enslaved the Jewish people. Let's go west, young man, or woman, as we move on to ancient Egypt. The civilization in Egypt developed around 3000 BCE. It had no epic literature and was less advanced in math than the Mesopotamians. However, they viewed life more optimistically. The Nile was the lifeblood of Egypt, and it flooded regularly and predictably. They viewed their gods 
and they were polytheistic as well, is more kind and forgiving than the Mesopotamians viewed theirs. The pharaoh, or king, was also seen as a god, and there was a strong belief in the afterlife. They developed a complex pictorial language called hieroglyphics, which we were unable to read until the, sorry, until the 1820s when Jean-Francois Champollion was able to decipher the Rosetta Stones found some 20 years earlier. And I just want to put a side note in that I got to see the actual Rosetta Stone this summer in the British Museum. Gave me goosebumps. Look it up. This is why the uh, language learning software is called Rosetta Stone. But anyway, back to our stories. There were female pharaohs, with the most notable being Hatshepsut, who came to power in 1478 BCE and ruled for 20 years. But perhaps ancient Egypt is best known for what happened during the 4th dynasty of the Old Kingdom when the pyramids were built. The pyramids of Giza were not the first to be built. In fact, the first were built as step pyramids, very similar to what we have seen in other parts of the world during this time. The Great Pyramid of Giza was built by the pharaoh Khufu between 2580 and 2560 BCE. It is the oldest and largest of the three in Giza. Khufu's sons, after his death, would go on to build the Sphinx and the Second Pyramid. Okay, that is a wrap for now on Egypt. Let's move on to one of the most mysterious ancient civilizations, the Indus Valley. This civilization developed around 2500 BCE and is sometimes called the Harappan Civilization after one of its major cities, Harappa. It was located in modern-day Pakistan, India, and Afghanistan through the Indus River Valley. Mohenjo-Daro was another large city in the Indus Valley, but it was not discovered until 1920. We do know that the civilization traded with both Mesopotamia and China due to trade seals that were found. Like the other early civilizations, they were polytheistic, with a naked man with horns as their primary god. Imagine a religion today with a god like that here in America. I can just see the looks on some of the faces they would get from around this conservative part of the country. Anyway, as they have uncovered more and more of the cities, differences in house sizes indicate big class divisions. Lastly, we will talk about Shang China, which developed around 1700 BCE, which immediately gets me singing in my head the Chinese dynasty song. Shang Zhou Chen Hong, Shang Zhou Chen Hong, Sui Tang Song, Sui Tang Song, Yuan Ming Qing Republic, Yuan Ming Qing Republic, Mao Zedong, Mao Zedong. Yeah, my kids know that song too, but it can actually help them on some of the tests remembering when the, when the uh, dynasties came. Anyway, sorry about that. I can't promise I won't sing again, but maybe I'll try to warn you a little more. Anyway, the Shang were the first dynasty, unless you believe the Jia, which is debatable. Many historians feel that they were more of a Chinese legend, and since the song starts with the Shang, that's what we're going with. The Shang used oracle bones to communicate with ancestors, and the pattern on the bones formed the basis for their writing system. It was a complex system of writing comprising of 3,000 characters by the end of the dynasty. The uniform written language formed a bond between the people because many different languages were spoken. The early civilization was near the Yellow River Valley, which became the lifeline of the dynasty. They lived in a patriarchal system with women serving as wives and concubines. The social classes included warriors, aristocrats, bureaucrats, farmers, and slaves. And there was always a centralized government which was preoccupied with flood control of the rivers. The Shang would last around 500 years until the the Zhou come along with their mandate of heaven and overthrow the Shang. 
To stray away from our four early River Valley civilizations for a moment, there was another place that had early civilizations, even though it hadn't been quote-unquote discovered yet. Too soon for a Columbus joke? Okay, so Mesoamerica, which encompasses pretty much modern-day Central America and the Olmec civilization, began around 1200 BCE. The Olmecs lived in that hot Mesoamerica. <laughs> okay, I get it that the joke gets old. To you, anyway. The Olmecs were highly developed in astronomy and used it to predict agricultural cycles, as well as please the gods. Yes, I said gods. Many. They were polytheistic, as were all religions during this time. Their religious rituals were very important to their lives, and shamans were seen as healers in their society. They built irrigation systems and canals, carved giant stone heads, which probably had some religious significance, and played ball games. The games they played are probably an older version of a modern-day game called Ulama. Well, that is going to wrap up Episode 1 of the History Havoc Podcast. I hope that wasn't too much of a catastrophe. Thanks for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, give us a review wherever you listen to podcasts and then head on over to historyhavoc.com and check out the blog where you can comment and contact me. Next time we'll be looking at the classic civilizations in Rome and Greece. Speaking of which, do you know why Athenians hate mornings? Because Don is tough on Greece. Thank you, thank you, thank you, and I'll see you next time, guys. Take care.